0: Welcome back to another episode of the Heart Square podcast. In this episode, myself and Rob are joined by Chris and Rhys, who we have had on the podcast a couple of times before, and we got them back in today to chat to us all about project resourcing and what resources you really need to successfully manage a project.
1: Yeah, no, would be good. Uh, like to say, Rhys and Chris with us today. Um, they spend a lot of time actually advising clients on um on the resources they need to put in place and then you know the number of projects they are involved in they oversee they understand a lot really about um you know what resources are, are critical um, and where you know they see it from both sides they see where plants succeed where we have to you know advise clients to add resources that kind of idea so yeah i'm looking forward to it There should be a lot of good insight coming today i think
0: yes definitely so without further ado let's get into the episode We are joined today by Chris and Reese, who have been on a couple of our podcasts before, um, but it's great to have them back on this episode today. Uh, but in case you don't know who they are, I'll just get them to introduce themselves to you. So if I could start with you, Chris, if you could tell us a bit about yourself and your role here at Half Square.
2: Uh, Yeah, thanks very much, Ellie. Um, So I'm Chris Gilbert. I am um, one of the two head of uh, technology and services at Heart Square. I've been here uh, for a very long time and I've I've worked through um, a number of roles from a consultant through to uh, where I am now. So um, uh, my role is is really to focus on what we do and and how we do it and the services that we provide uh, and making sure that those are a success ultimately um in the way that we deliver them. So um yeah really interested to to be talking about resourcing because it's such a critical thing. And uh yeah, yeah, very excited to be, be getting to that now.
0: Great, thanks. And
2: Reese? Hi. Uh so yeah
3: I'm Reese Evans. I'm the other head of technology and services. Um and our role yeah, so our role is, is is the same as as Chris mentioned, but I think it's um you know we're really quite often looking at how we do things and and where their opportunity is to improve them, you know the the kind of things that where that make projects work and what don't make doesn't make them work, and kind of feeding that information around to our consultants. So, uh, so yeah, the topic today is is often a, a kind of a big subject of conversation in nearly any project we do. So it's quite a good one to to kind of to zone in and and pick our brains on. So I'm quite looking forward to talking about it. Really,
1: fantastic. Thanks, reese So yeah, I mean, as you say, the the topic for today is. um about project resourcing isn't it and you know it's something that we have a lot of insight into you know we talk a lot to our clients about it we know there are lots of components that make up project success and again we talk a lot about project success but resources are one of those key areas where we often you know we spend time guiding clients around the resources they need to put in place as well as the the services that we can offer so definitely a hot topic definitely something that we have a lot to to share Um, and yeah, should we just start with a, a, I suppose, an open question in that sense to, to get us going around? What do you see? Uh, are the critical roles that an organisation needs to put in place when when they're uh, embarking on a digital project? Um, Bruce, did you want to take that one first?
2: Yeah,
3: I think the um, I think probably the most the role that we normally start with is is the project sponsor uh, and the project lead. That's that's one the thing that everything else uh, kind of stems from because I think that's the one where they're the person that we go to the most who, who we actually try to instill with that with that idea of you're gonna need a you know a cast of several different types of people in different roles and you're gonna have to fight for them and you need to fight for them because we know that's what's gonna make this project successful. So they're they're kind of our initial point and point of influence. Then, you know, with them is is the kind of the project board, generally kind of senior executives who are who are the people who are going to drive the project in in their respective areas and departments of directorates Um, and yeah those those working together as a team to be able to you know kind of feed in make decisions steer the steer the project at that strategic level but also you know make sure that their influence works down to make sure that they secure the right people probably the list of people that we'll go on to talk about but also make sure that they are free and capable and available to deliver their projects that's that's probably where where we start off with the initial conversations and where we really try and um kind of <laughs> beat the drum of saying you're going to need to make people available for this thing for this thing to happen um i mean the the few of the you know particular roles that then go down into people who have kind of subject matter expertise you know the people who who are part of the day to day kind of business as usual for, for any organisation, the real kind of knowledge holders and the doers and, uh, and recognising that they're the people, they're generally the people who make the project work, you know, they're, they're the kind of the people who can be, be put in a role where they can say, you know, think about the way you do it, let's have a conversation about how you want to do it and then you're going to have to, you know, kind of guide and engage and, and become involved with a, with a technology partner. So between you as a combination, we can talk about, you know, what does the future look like? What does your job look like in two, three years when when all this thing is bedded in and um, and it's, you know, the thing the challenges that you're having today, you aren't doing then. You know, they're they're the people that really need to be uh that need to have the most time and and uh and headspace available really, because they're the people that will actually make it work or not work. Is just is how I think about it. I'll let Chris
2: jump
3: in with a
2: few of the, few of the more. I, so I, I could just run through the list. But, um, let you you've done a, a fine job. Um, No, I mean, I, I think that, that that really does cover probably those main critical components. I think it's probably also the scale of the project. I think you have to be realistic about, you know, what I think probably outside of the sponsor and the lead, um, you know, the, the kind of the layers kind of beneath that in terms of, I suppose, more of those those kind of the day to day um uh kind of knowledge holders the smes Um, but i think also i suppose outside of that whether your project needs some particular specialist roles to to you know if we were talking about say a an implementation of some kind you know you might need somebody that's got an an integration uh focus and and um i I think that we'll probably go on to talk about some of the, the the risks and the specifics around them but i think definitely trying to understand whether you are Overly kind of bloated as a as a sort of a, a project group. You know, you've got almost too many uh, people involved because maybe that's trying to um, give give people roles or, or, or sort of give them a sense of um, uh, engagement in a project. But also then the flip side, which is that you're really trying to work in a in a very narrow um, way and you're trying to pile on lots of different responsibilities onto certain people. Um, and I think that's probably where we we see striking that balance is so difficult it is trying to work out before the project begins what you need why you need it rather than actually working that as you go through the project and then as we know recruitment is never a, a quick thing even if the the people that you have are internal um you know backfilling and all those things are are great on paper but they all take time and and everyone needs to be clear about what they're doing and why so um yeah it's 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 such a fundamental part of, of projects, um, regardless of the type of project, that it needs to be bottomed out right from the start.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I think that's a crucial point, isn't it? i say you have to plan it from the start and plan the, the life, the whole life cycle of the project and beyond actually um, from the very beginning. But sorry, Reese, I've cut across you. Appreciate you were going to come in there. Uh,
3: thank you. I mean, the, the, the role that I think has probably taken on uh more importance as over time and and is probably more of a more of a recent role is uh change lead i think there's a there's a lot that's that's bundled into the project and the project is about you know getting you from a to b in terms of delivering all the the tasks and activities and a lot of the, the kind of the very specific detailed work and making that all happen i think what we definitely recognize as being equally as important is having somebody who is just focused on I don't really care what the technology is or how it does or how it works I need somebody needs to be zoning in on how are the people able to move from the way they're working now to the way they're working in the future and I think the more emphasis and the more that that is separated from the day-to-day of the of the kind of the project management the, the more focused they are on on spending time with the people who need time spent with them you know who, who are actually going to be the end users and that's quite a um you know that can be something that makes a difference so yeah i think that that being a, a specific person you know who's
2: kind of leading that kind of activities is, is very valuable no i completely agree i think i think the the danger is always that i think with a a digital project maybe any type of project but certainly where there's a there's usually a tool or something that's being kind of provided or implemented that it that it's seen as that that being the thing that gives all the answers or solves all the problems at uh, an organization and I, th- I think that's um it's a in some ways it's right in that it will hopefully improve what you currently have or it will give you something you've never had before but i, I think it there is a real danger um to expect it to do that or the partner that work, you're working with will, will fill all of those gaps for you. So, um, yeah, I completely agree. I, I think it's, but it is a challenge because obviously that as a role itself needs a certain skill set and, and you know, it's a significantly broad, you know, can be a very, very broad um, remit for that, for that person. Um, and it's not always the most uh, palatable one, I suppose, to kind of budget for at the beginning of a project where it's almost, you might say, well, look, can we just get the thing in? And that's a sort of a secondary item rather than being something that's critical to make it a success.
1: Is that is that what you're finding, Chris, that that actually getting people to, you know, we we definitely see. And I know you guys talk a lot about the the change aspect of these projects becoming more and more important or understood to be more and more important. But are you finding that when it then comes to resourcing that it is still something that that you meet more resistance to?
2: yeah I, th- I think it's i think it's a it's sort of a harder sell i think for people i think just the idea that um i at the earliest stages when you're looking at at, at budgeting and you're thinking about you know wh- what do we need to make this particular project a success i just think it's it's rarely at the front of of people's minds and unless those are kind of a, a wider piece of um change management that's going on or there's a there's a you know if you're lucky enough to have kind of a, a change kind of office almost within um your organization if you're you're large enough I think otherwise it becomes something that if it's dismissed early on and and it's largely you know thought to not not be needed because either we we don't have those kinds of problems as an organization or we don't think that you know we, people know what they do they know how they're going to work it's one of those that you you'll be you'll be stuck for time I think you would be severely restricted if you if you're kind of the, at the point that you suddenly realize um you need it it's too late i mean it's just it's you've gone past that point really of when you could have prepared yourself and actually made that quite a a smooth transition to then suddenly actually you've got very visible issues that you need to kind of resolve and potentially no resource to do it but you now know you absolutely have to have that in place yeah i think in um in terms of um kind of looking at as a
3: project i think it's seen as a nice to have and i think if you were to say, well, it of getting a system in configured full of data, then it is a nice, a nice to have. If you want that system to be beneficial and it to be a success in the long term, then it probably isn't, you know, because I think that's what a lot of that work is about. Is that it's actually making sure that it's not only the right system, but it's the right system in the hands of people who understand why it was introduced, what it's good at, what it will help them to do and how they can get the best out of it. And that's that, for me, isn't, isn't so much of a nice to have. That's that's actually the point of doing the entire project.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point, because <clears throat> um, a lot of this comes down to that that longer term success comes down to the expectation setting and then bringing people with you, doesn't it? And those two, for me, I think, come together around this, like you say, the change role, where you're telling people early on, you're engaging people, involving them early on. And then you're communicating with them, setting their expectations of what's now going to happen, and then communicating with them throughout. So do you see that um, in terms of its kind of position within the project, just touch on something you mentioned earlier, but do you see that as being a kind of a project board level role, would you say, rather than so try and keep it from the project team, so it's not as um, almost bogged down in the detail and the operational and the what technology is it, but it, do you see it as a, as a board level, role, a project board level role, sitting, I mean still working to the sponsor, I guess.
3: I think there needs to be. It needs to somebody to represent it on the project project board. So it needs somebody who's actually going to almost talk from that voice when it comes to a lot of decision making and a lot of thinking, a lot of the consequences on people factor. But I think it, it's about also providing the resources underneath that. I think we're actually talk, as talking to one of our consultants who's come from a more of a corporate background. You know, an organisation that has that has got plenty of resources, and it's got dedicated uh, change management within it as standard, you know, sometimes several people. And I think that they said, you know, it was useful, so useful as a project manager to know that there was somebody available to spend the amount of time that was needed to to get those outcomes done and to spend, because it's, you know, it's normally you've got a spread of people in different situations with different challenges and different concerns in different contexts. And to to actually do a good job on the change management, you need to have the capacity for somebody to go to go within each of one of those kind of contexts and challenges, and talk to people and understand them and work out how they're going to be addressed. It might be the way that they are addressed is quite consistent between them, but you can't you can't kind of just um, kind of spray them and hope it's just you know you can't just kind of throw it out there and hope that it's going to happen without understanding your audiences and the people that you're actually interacting with and it was just yeah it was just very um interesting to hear how it's how it's done when it's taken and resourced very very seriously almost as a given that that, that will happen
2: i think you uh, yeah i think it was what i had in mind when i was talking about roles that are um that are kind of combined or layered onto you know, one person, um, and the and the hope that it will kind of be a way to oh, we'll just solve that. You know, if you can just do the the project management side, and you can also manage the change stuff because that's all kind of related. Um, that'd be easiest, wouldn't it? And I and I think that's just where as we we would say that you either end up with with project leads or sponsors that are just pulled in far too many different directions and being involved in the, the very granular to the kind of the high level and, and bouncing between them and something will give in that situation and, and usually I would say it's that the the project having a budget and a timeline is the thing that then jumps to the top of the queue and, and the change stuff is kind of pushed back as a well we'll have to try and deal with that as best we can when we can um, and invariably that's just putting that off it's not you know it doesn't go anywhere it just it just kind of festers and and then you know you might get to go live and you might stick to your time and your budget but actually then you've got you know potentially months of trying to bring people back around and to help them and and now I'm, I'm certainly there are projects that I've worked on where um the you, you if you were going through and you were kind of checking the list off of like, have we delivered the things that we need to outside of kind of the change element of it you'd say yes you know tick 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 actually how did it land with the users you've got a whole list of other things that you now need to resolve and and a lot of work to do to kind of make their perception of what the project has done um actually look as a a success from their perspective and not just be something that uh, you know kind of almost a board level you say we've gone live
0: that that's the job done yeah that's really interesting and just making sure like you said getting those roles set early on really makes a difference to how successful the project will be overall and not just implementing the technology. And while you're um, sort of discussing that, I was thinking to myself kind of, you know, those are the roles that are key to being placed, but the, the people behind the roles, I guess, are just as important. And um, so I just wanted to get your thoughts really on kind of what tips or kind of considerations you would share with um, clients about how to get the right people in their roles is it down to kind of their skill set experience what they can bring to the role things like that really
2: um yeah i mean f- from from my perspective i think it's probably being first of all being clear about what it is that you what you need what those skills are um and and i think being realistic about then who you have internally i think there's always a desire to you know leverage the people that you have and the knowledge that you have internally which i th- i think is in an ideal world is, is the best approach because you're going to get a lot of that historical knowledge and, and the kind of their the feel for the organisation. But I think sometimes we've seen it backfire where it's, you know, square pegs and round holes. It's, it's not really the right fit, but it's trying to um, trying to sort of do something because it feels like that's who we should go with or, or you know, that, that, that we, we think we can kind of work around maybe some of the, the gaps that they have. And I think, you, you know, being honest about then how significant a gap that there is in in that skill set um uh, I mean one of you know one of the examples that I always think of is you know a, a training manager that I I work with on a project who who really didn't like doing training and you think well yeah on paper they look like the right person to do that job but you know that's not going to go well but you kind of persevere with it and ultimately you are going to pay the price for that um so i think i think certainly having a very yeah a very very clear indication of the skills that you need um and then making sure that is matched by either an internal resource or whether you need to recruit for that or find a a third party whatever it might be but it it's critical if you if you don't it it it, in the best situations it it stretches the timeline out and everything and in the worst it it brings everything to a halt and and you know even if you manage to kind of make progress it's probably going to be quite painful yeah i think the, um, the recruiting the subject matter experts um or the, you know sometimes
3: four key users and bringing them together as a project team is something that i think is is really really tough because you you know i was actually writing down a little bit earlier what what you'd want from a good one um which you know you're looking for someone who's a good decision maker they're kind of open to change for a bit of a far-sighted thinker they can see the possibilities and th- kind of make them practical they've got to be quite a good internal networker because they've got to represent a team they've got to you know carry people with them and be able to to kind of bring by people into things they've got to be a good collaborator both with kind of internal external parties and as a team and they need to be quite methodical ordered you know they could do with being calm under pressure quite good at Ideally, they would be good at at training and documentation. It's a long list. It's a really hard task to say, well, and you need someone like that to represent each area. And then you're looking at an organisation that might be, you know, 20, 30, 40 people big or 80 people. They're generally people who are already involved in quite a lot of things because uh, they're kind of strong and capable and they get pushed forward for every single kind of cross organizational functions so um so i think it you know it is a challenge to to kind of like get those people and i think one of the things you you might have to do working within the limitations of an organization is to approach them as a looking at them as a group and to to identify the fact that one you need to build them as a team you know you need to, to kind of properly initiate them as a as a team you know you will work together you know you you have a collective investment in this don't just represent your area do that plus let's all kind of work on this as a, as a collective but also try and build a team with the right balances as you would with any team you know try and look to compensate and support people on some of their limitations so they can still kind of deliver and be part of it but you might have you might kind of pair them up i remember a couple of good projects where you know you, kn- you knew that someone might be a great thinker but they're not fantastic on the detail. So you might say well can you two work together because uh, I, you know you can see that the other person would say that's a great idea but we just need to think through these things and therefore you you know that what they were going to get to was more what you needed to feed into the project and make it succeed so um so i think it is it is challenging you know you don't you don't have you don't have the luxury of saying you know i can just drag everybody away from their jobs for an indefinite amount of time you've got to use use what you have and use it use it well i think that's one of the On the challenges of managing projects like
2: this. I think uh, yeah and and I think that 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 point kind of was related to something I was going to say around the project lead as well which is I think there's I think I think there is this this sort of expectation that uh, in certain Digital projects that you need a, a kind of a, a digital expert or a, or a sort of technology expert, um, you know, first and foremost, and then and then the project management stuff and all the other work that, that kind of happens beyond that is is almost either a an expectation that if you have that knowledge you'll have those skills, or is it almost a secondary thing, um, and I and I can you know. Um, I can certainly list um, without naming anybody, but I can certainly in my mind list off um, more projects that have have completely fallen apart because the recruitment has been focused on do you know the product versus do you know how to run a project? and more examples of where we work with clients who actually you know have project leads or or, or project managers who are um they don't really know the technology they, they they understand what they need to do to coordinate lots of different people to do lots of different things at certain at certain points and they they understand that their role is largely to to make sure that that is a success first and foremost and if they pick up the the technology and some some of the kind of nuance around it that's that's an added bonus but it's not the critical part but unfortunately i think i've seen projects where that's started off with the complete flip side of of that approach and just just actually you know the 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 main challenge with with any of these projects is that there are just lots of moving parts lots of things that can change and if if your skill set doesn't allow you to um you know, be able to react to those and and actually then replan and 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 make a success of a situation which might not be that straightforward or have lots of things that are changing in a way that you would never expected. Then it doesn't really matter what you know about the technology. It really, doesn't add anything to to what you're trying to do to make it make it work.
1: Yeah, and no, I think that's a really good point, <clears throat> and I think that's you know that kind of leads into, doesn't it, about how it's not just about having the roles themselves, but it is then about the balance of the different skill sets and the different characteristics across the roles. You know, Reese listed earlier things about, you know, your SMEs need to be good decision makers, networkers, collaborators, blah, blah, blah. And ultimately, you know, and all those things you listed, but ultimately they're there as an SME because they're the ones who know the organization and how things work, and they they are an expert in their particular area. So they've, they've got all that business knowledge and then all of these other characteristics around them as well. And then as you've said and you said that you said yourself there Chris if you, if you then try to put kind of project management essence on top of that as well then they can't you know that, that's just a recipe for failure isn't it for disaster you have to have that separation and balance across the things in the same way as you talk about you know having change managers who don't necessarily know the product yeah having product leads who don't know the method you know and that's okay that's a good thing actually when you bring them together and that's where forming a cohesive unit across all those pieces becomes vitally important
2: yeah and i I think actually one of the things we we've probably not touched on so far but is one of those critical components is is an agreement on how much time is associated to those roles and whether it's realistic that you can do your day job you know i think we have this idea that you know okay we need an SME for a couple of days a week or whatever it might be and and in some of those cases that's much more straightforward to be able to kind of jump between those things if you're drawn into a certain meeting and and largely you are providing insight and and you know uh sort of responses to questions I think that's quite different than if you're trying to drive a project and you're on the kind of the core project team I think there there needs to be a um an, an understanding I suppose of what's required from from those people in terms of their headspace and their ability to have time not to just be doing the work but also be planning and thinking ahead um and i think that is the danger that it, it is, is too easily kind of um seen as being either a, a part of somebody's role for say the project lead role or if you're a you know a specialist member of the team that's say doing integrations or data and that you can just slot that in and around you know other other competing um things in your in your day-to-day it's 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 such a it's such a kind of a um, uh, it's a situation I think that when we when we see that happen um, you can see some very very good skilled people who just get completely ground down by trying to juggle too many different things and, and either don't give their best to the to either side of the work that they're doing or, or they end up getting burnt out and they just and they just decide to go elsewhere because I just think this is not really this is not enjoyable in any in any way and I even if I get to the end of this this is I'm not going to feel like I've I've really gained a great deal from this
3: yeah and no, I think that that actually touched on one of the, the points in terms of challenges that I think I was reflecting on which is um backfilling roles um I think we we definitely I think what we try and do you know, as Heart Square is trying to be clear and, and say, well, this is what you're, this is the kind of scale of input you're going to need. We need to actually, you know, you need to develop a plan. You know, when you're looking at um, your budget, consider, you know, what you're going to need to be able to extract those people from their jobs to be able to do a good job. And quite often, one of the, you know, mechanisms is we'll backfill that role. But the cynical part of me is you know sometimes the line managers are, at another point a bit like, oh, yeah, grow my team. Yeah, no, I'll take that, rather than saying I need to introduce somebody so I can release that person. And I've definitely been in projects where we've had somebody who is, in theory, 100% backfilled and someone else is doing their job who says, I'm sorry, I just don't have time for the project right now. And you're like, oh, hang on, hang on. Um, So I think one of the things that that you you can do to do that is – try and get the resource plan down in black and white quite early and, and have it as very much a plan. This is our expectations. It's down as a docu- in a documented form and we're all kind of committed to this because what I think what happens is quite early on in the project sometimes there's a there's a level of commitment, there's an agreement, there's a set of you know this this is what we've done to enable the, the time to be released to the project and then you know these projects happen over a you know six, nine, 12 months time period and a lot of things go on in there different priorities bubble up within the organization and a lot of the solutions can then start to very kind of quietly nibble away at the resources that have been made available from the for the project because the project seems is something that has been very well resourced and therefore they should be fine to be able to take away a couple of hours here and there and all all of a sudden you get into one of the very intense high capacity areas like um testing is a big one where you find that if you just don't have the time to do testing you will do insufficient testing and your system won't be as good. But if you've if the if the resource has been reallocated in the background by the time you get there, you're you're in a you're definitely in a in a position where you're gonna end up, you know, your project's gonna go out, it's gonna start costing you more money. All the things you signed up to at the outset of the project, all the things you budgeted for you know, are not exactly come to pass. So, um, so yeah, getting that backfill right, making sure it's, it's properly handed over. It's effectively saying you're not doing your job anymore for a period. Or if you're doing two two days out of three of, on this, you're not you're not involved in the day-to-day for those two days. Finding some way to to actually protect that person and their you know and their time and their well-being from the pressures of trying to do too much at once. Otherwise, it can be really, it can be really harmful to people. You know, that's definitely what we've seen happen um, in that where they're overburdened.
2: And I and I wonder as well, whether there's sort of an element of, I suppose, almost cutting your cloth as well. You know, we we obviously work with organisations of very, very, very different size, you know, different sizes, and, and it's not appropriate to think you would have, you know, in that example, you know, a test manager, Necessarily, you know, a, a dedicated role, you know, it might, and and so I think being being appreciative of of the the scale that you're working at and the and you know the things that you would that you would dearly love to have in your project, you know, and be able to resource for and have budget for, and those which are things that you would otherwise be able to kind of you know work, work around. I mean, plenty of projects where you don't have a test manager, but you need to make sure, obviously, that whoever is running testing is, is, you know, clear on how they're going to do that and what the process is around it. But I think it's, it's a quite a difficult situation. If you're, if you're looking purely at in an ideal world, we would run our project like this and not appreciating, but we don't have the budget or we don't have the, you know, the, the, the internal set whatever it might be. Um, I think you've got to try and be realistic about that and not aim for, um, perfection. Because I think that's going to, in most cases, is going to hold you back. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right, Chris. I think, and that's, and to be fair, I think it's something
1: we we are good at. You know, when we're supporting clients with putting together business cases and and planning our implementations, you know, we do put in that work around giving the guidance around the resources that are going to be required. Um, really important, as you say, to kind of scale up and down in line. You know, we've got we've worked with clients who run digital projects and there's six, five or six people in the whole organisation, you know, Um, and there, the reason they have succeeded is because they've taken it from the start, you know, they've planned it into their business cycle. Sometimes, you know, we know people have toned down the level of of other activity they're intending to run through that year, and say it's a year of a project. Other people have recruited in specifically to cover the role, um, but done that in enough time to get somebody up to speed and then made it, in that kind of scenario, a full-time role really for the person who's going to be doing it from within the organisation. Um, I think at the other end of that, when we work with larger clients, again, actually picking up on one of your po- p- points as well, Reese. you know, I think it's really important that people do have that time protected for them. You know, you both said about the, you know, the potential, the risk to individuals and their own, you know, health and wellbeing. If they're being pulled and overwhelmed, you know, it doesn't help the project, doesn't help the people. I think it's um, a trap that sometimes people fall into is thinking that some, they can have somebody who's you know running as an SME for, for six months and they're going to drop back into the business for a couple of months while some other things are happening and then come back up. I think that's really something that people should mitigate against because it just doesn't work like that. You kind of come out of project mode it's hard to come back into, you know, to then the big UAT or whatever it may be at the end. So lots and lots to think about, but it's planning it up front, being very, very specific and being really quite challenging of yourselves, I think is important there.
3: I think just just in terms of the positive that can come of of being involved in these projects. And I think that can be the yeah, if if you if you overwork somebody, if you don't give them the time to be successful within the project you negate what is a very clear benefit is a it's, a it's a terrific development opportunity i mean the people who generally get involved in this and and really kind of contribute they get involved in areas that are normally outside of their, their department they get access to to see people deliver things with different skills that they will then kind of take part on you know this kind of business analysis is that that kind of decision making that but there's lots of uh i think project teams that come together that see cross-organisational kind of multidisciplinary ways of doing things that you just say well you know that's that's not something that can be used exclusively for this type of project that's a good way that you can go about lots of organisational change and development activity but you need those people who've been part of that to still be confident and positive and want to do that again and, and it to sort of have been a you know an experience that has shown them the opportunity of working that way rather than discouraged from putting themselves forward for something because they know they're going to be given more than they can actually realistically do and do well so i think it's it's um it's short-sighted to to overload people um because i think you know the people that you can see you know particularly when you see somebody who comes in who's relatively junior but they're um but they are the right person with the right responsibility and you kind of see them grow throughout the project and by the end of it they're just looking for the next thing to get onto is exactly what you know a lot of organizations kind of want and need to to kind of develop internally
2: and it and it was also um I, i think something a recent example i was thinking of where um in that planning phase and sort of working out you know what you what you need i think it's also being um realistic or or certainly giving a good reason behind when those those roles need to come into the project kind of within the timeline for that project because it's it's not either you you may not ever start your project because you're trying to get this group of people together who are going to you know all be available on day one um and you know that means that you've got no gaps or you think you've got no gaps then if you have that that entire complement of um of your team but i think also just being honest about you know the the, the the criticality of when those those people are involved you know can you start your project can you go so far down the line with it because um, I think you can you can always argue that the, the sooner you have somebody involved you know if you say a um, a test manager for example if you were going down that route you could say well they'd be they they, they would benefit from being in the discovery workshops that we do. Um, You could almost argue it right back to the kickoff meeting and say every role would benefit from being involved right at the beginning. But realistically, you know, for your for your budget and for everything else, is it really that critical? You know, there there are test, you know, test managers that that get get, get parachuted into projects and literally turn up on the day um, and don't really know a great deal about. The, the the project or anything else they just know this this is what I'm going to test and how I'm going to run those sessions with with this group of people um so I think it's just the uh I suppose again the cutting your cloth element I think that's that's where I've certainly when I was thinking about just having this conversation and thinking about projects that have suffered it's 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 with probably those that have had the wrong initial starting points to their thinking around the resources that they need, the resources they have, um, and when they need to be involved, and that has then been something that's just continued through. And and you know, it can it can really grind things to a halt. As you say, Reese, you know, the example about the the, the great benefits that you could have in working on a project that are about you developing and and people being able to see a different side to an organisation and, and maybe open their their thinking up to you know what they might want to do in the next part of their careers. The flip side is that there are plenty of projects that have chewed people up and, and spat them out the other side and, and really made them, um, you know, question the, the value of the organisation they work for, the culture that they have, all of those things. So it's not just, yeah, it's not as simple as sort of saying it's just people to be to be dropped in and, and and the whole thing kind of takes care of itself.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And we are kind of coming to the end of this. But I think, you know, that's there is that irony there, isn't it? That a lot of organisations see these roles within projects as being a great opportunity to develop people. And then if they get it wrong, if they don't give them the capacity, you know, don't protect them in that role, don't make that full on commitment to the project in that respect, then actually they risk doing a lot more harm than good to individuals and the individuals who are key to their organization, you know, and who really are are key and keen in fact, you know, really are the ones to help them drive forward, which is what the technology is supposed to be enabling, you know, to build that piece. Um, And I think we've spoken elsewhere about, you know, how these people those individuals can be developed and then in the post go go live of an implementation they're then the people who can champion new ways of working and things but yeah if you don't get that back to the beginning really you know get your expectations right get your resources right make sure capacity is there not just skill set um, and then protect and guide your people through it I think that's a uh, yeah that's a really good really good point actually um but yes thank you very much for your time like I say sorry we have Unfortunately, we're uh, pretty much out of time. I don't know whether you had any parting comments, pearls of wisdom to take away. there have been plenty already. um, So don't feel any pressure.
2: (laughs) I'm I'm not sure I'd class this as a pearl of wisdom, but um, I think one of the things that we are trying to, um, I suppose, talk to our clients about and and trying to push them to think of, which sounds a little bit ridiculous when you you maybe haven't even started a project, but is to actually think about life after your project. Um, you know, and that can be a benefit in lots of different ways. It can it can certainly um, clarify why you're doing your project. But I think more importantly, it's the, the point about those roles and resources. You know, are they people that, you know, want to go back to their old roles or actually in your new world, you will need a different, you know, infrastructure. You might need a different um, set of, of, of kind of focuses and, and areas of, um, you know, uh, of, specific skill and a knowledge to be kind of retained internally, which you don't have now Um, to think about that almost at the point that your project goes live again is another of those situations where it's kind of too late and you're largely going to then be probably putting the things in that you need six months later. Um, But actually to try and, you know, really suggest that when you are going to embark on one of these projects, it is what is the new world? What is the point at which we have gone live? you know, I think it's very easy to say what does success look like and that could be, well, we've gone live on time and on budget and, you know, but that doesn't, that's not really half of the, the picture in terms of how we, how have we changed the way that we work? How have we addressed some of those long-term issues? How are we better set up to be able to, um, you know, use the technology that we've got now? Do we need to do the old things that we used to? Um, because actually, it, you know, if we are then, and has the project really changed anything? So, my my suggestion is to try, I suppose if you can, is to think about that post-project world um, and try and think about what that could look like and should look like and then actually almost to retrofit your, your resource you and say, are there are there roles that will try to transition you through to that point rather than being, we'll do the project and then suddenly we'll have the situation we need to deal with and then we need to go and recruit and work out all of that stuff afterwards. So gives people more work to do which probably is the last thing I want to hear off uh, listening to this but you know I think it's all sa- save and um save a lot of uh, of work down the line and, and hopefully mean sort of make for a better transition
3: yeah I would agree with that I think I'll stick around on uh, similar lines in terms of you know the more more you think about the way you're looking to get get to and that includes having you know having an organization that has a has a really good example, working example of, of a positive change experience that involved technology, and involved moving things forward, and the people who were involved enjoyed being part of it or want to be part of something again. And they think that's something that you know you see organisations that do the, do do these things well. They come away with with a sense of momentum that's very hard to to kind of to, to generate without. You know, kind of going through this kind of process. So I think it's that, and then in the process of of looking at how you secure not only the financial resources to do the project, but also the kind of the, the people resources, see it as a as an investment in that future, in that eventuality, and and kind of really kind of fight for for that investment, and realize that yeah, I think any any kind of investment comes with some sacrifices, beyond um beyond just kind of getting the the money from Trustees, or from from whichever source of funding you get, you know, stopping doing things to allow this to be good uh, and and positive and to be appropriately scaled and resourced is is something that won't please everybody, but do, will ultimately get you that set of benefits, that outcome that, that you're working towards. So um it's a um, we, I suppose we, we have the benefit of, of kind of advising it and then the other people have the hard work of securing it. And, and I appreciate it's not it's not easy. You know, no, nobody's got um, kind of unlimited resources. But I think it is just trying to get people to play the long game, look at it in a, look at the big picture um, and, and think about if you're going to do it adult, at all, do it properly because, uh, you know, that's
0: you know,
3: anything less will put, put big risks on you kind of getting to where you want to be
0: yeah they're really great pieces of advice there and take homes and it's like you said really about starting kind of with the end in mind where you want to be and kind of working backwards to that point to make sure that you kind of achieve where you want to be in the future um but yeah that rounds off our podcast today so really thanks again um for you both joining us as I say there's some really great pieces in there that I'm sure um everyone would agree uh, will be super helpful so thanks again.
3: that no was thank you. Thank you.
0: So we really hope you enjoyed that episode um, with Chris and Rhys. Um, it was really great to chat to them. I think, as you said in the beginning, Rob, they have a really good perspective on um, project resourcing and really good insights. And I really like the piece of advice they gave around thinking about resources, not just during your projects, but afterwards as well. Um, was there anything in particular you took away from that, Rob?
1: Uh, oh, There's loads actually, to be fair, it's a, really um, yeah, it a really good delve into into what they see and what they know uh, and the advice they give. I think your point's great, you know, about um, where they were saying, you know, think about what you need after and then build back from there sort of thing. I think just overall, the message around, you know, you can't buy everything in, you know, a lot of it has to come, a lot of the knowledge, a lot of the input has to come from your team. Um, but actually, that's fantastic And, and be, when you're putting your project together and, and planning your change change initiative. Think about it as an investment in people, not just as in in the money side of things. You know, it is an opportunity to develop people to give them, you know, new, new roles, new objectives, new, new ambitions. Um, And it is an investment. It's a really, really positive thing. Think of it in those terms. And that helps to help me freeze your mind when you're thinking about the the volume of resource you need to allocate to the project, because it's a really positive thing, not a drain. And I think that was really, really important
0: yeah definitely so we hope you took away some really great insights as well so if you did enjoy the episode be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you get notified of our latest episodes don't forget you can follow us on linkedin and twitter by searching HeartSquare, where you'll find loads more content on things of leadership digital culture and capability we look forward to seeing you on the next episode